As I'm riding, I hear something in the woods beside me. Couldn't have been more than maybe 10, 15 yards, just tearing up everything. Tearing up, breaking off limbs, tearing up stuff. I could hear it moving through the woods over the sound of the motorcycle. I look to my left and here's here's a Sasquatch in broad daylight walking along the tree line. This is the Cryptic Creatures Podcast. I am Brian, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Todd. What's going on, buddy? Just getting excited for another show today. We've got uh, Joey coming on to talk to us. Joey was uh, in some law enforcement back in the day yeah. uh, when, he yeah. had, when he had his encounters. So it's always good to get, to get uh, I like to get law enforcement people on. Uh, military. You know, military. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're pretty serious, and they're not, they're not BSing around about stuff, you know. Right. Yeah. Pretty truthful people, so I like getting them on. How you been, man? What's going on with you this week? Anything? Uh, nothing new. You know, hanging out. Waiting for it to get warmer. Hopefully. Yeah. Still hopefully. waiting for that to get out. Today is supposed to be pretty nice. Yeah. Starting need, this coming week, so we need to get out soon, brother, and do some uh, investigations. Yeah, we got to get that lined up. Maybe up in Michigan sometime soon here. Yeah. Once we get get a chance and get out and report back to our people. That's right. That's right. Get some video. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's not waste any more time. Let's bring Joey on and see what he's got to say about his encounters. All right. Let's get him. Okay. Joey, welcome to the show. Thanks for talking to us. Ah, oh, glad to be here. Thank y'all for having me. Yeah, good having you. So you're in uh, Mississippi, is that right? It is, yeah, Central Mississippi. Okay, and where did your encounter, uh, your encounters happen? Was that Mississippi as well? It was. Okay, and then how old were you when your first encounter happened? I was probably around. Well, there's one that something happened to me when I was a child. I was probably about eleven or twelve. Uh, at that point, I didn't actually see the creature. Uh, at that, and when that happened. But uh, the encounters that I've had where I've actually saw uh, the creature, uh, the first one was probably when I was uh, in my late 40s, early 50s. Okay. Why don't you tell us about the uh, the first incident that you had, though, where you, didn't, you maybe didn't see something. Tell us what happened. Uh, when I was a child? Yeah. Oh, okay. I had come in from school, uh, and... Uh, <laughs> I'd ask my mom, I said, Mom, if I go kill a mess of squirrels, I said, will you make some cat head biscuits and scramble up some eggs and cook the squirrels? She said, sure, son. So I got my gun. I headed off. We had, at that point, we had a bunch of property. So I headed off back down to uh, to the woods to go squirrel hunting. Well, I rode my motorcycle up our field. You went up uh, a hill to get up to the top. I parked my motorcycle there, and I I walked up. There was a hardwood thicket that was up to my right. So I walked up in that thicket, and I sat down. And uh, I sat there probably for an hour and a half, and uh, it started to get dark. So I said, well, 
hadn't seen anything. I said, I'm just going to go on back to the house. So I walked down to get back on my motorcycle and, uh, uh, it sounded like a big man walking through the woods behind me. Uh, and I, my, my great uncle's land, his land, uh, abutted ours. So I thought it was him. So I hollered his name and, uh, nobody answered. I said, well, okay. So I, I went to get back on the motorcycle. I heard it again. So I said, well, maybe it, you know, maybe it's my cousin. So I hollered his name. No answer. I said, well, I'm going to walk around this little uh, uh, copse of trees here and see if, if, if I could see anything. So I walked around, and um, I didn't see anything, no deer, nothing. So I said, well, I'm going to go into the house. So I started my motorcycle up, and I came down the hill. And at that time, to get uh, from where I was back out to the main road, you could either ride through the middle of the field. There was a road that went through the middle of the field, or you could go up by the you could go up by the uh, fence road that would take you up behind the uh, uh, the uh, barn. But I elected to go that way, so I'm going down through there. And as I'm riding, I hear something in the woods beside me. Probably mm, couldn't have been more than maybe 10, 15 yards, just tearing up everything. I mean, just tearing up, breaking off limbs, tearing up stuff. I could hear it moving through the woods over the sound of the motorcycle. Well, I got, I made it back out to the main road. When I got back to the main road, I, I stopped and got off the motorcycle and I walked back up the hill toward the barn and just to see if I could see anything. And when I got up there, I could hear some very deep, heavy breathing and I tried to walk around a little bit and figure out see if I could get lined up to see whatever it was but I never I, I never could see anything but I could hear it breathing so I got back on my motorcycle and uh, come on back to the house and that was that you know and I didn't think anything about it I at that point I was thinking you know at that age you know big hog bear we do have some pretty good sized uh, black bears here you know a hog a bear something along those lines but as i've gotten older and had more experience i've, I've come to realize that uh it was more than likely you know a squatch mm-hmm. yeah i was going to ask you what kind of wildlife you have down there so you have bears and you have um hogs we've got if you ask uh a game warden down here, they'll tell you we do not have mountain lions, but we do. Uh, black bears, um, bobcats, uh, you know, and, and some of the bears can get quite large. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I was doing, actually doing some, uh, walking in the woods down one of our national forests. Uh, one of our wildlife management areas actually is nice, it's about 10 miles from here. And I went up in there one day just to walk during the day, just to walk. So I, I had had an experience there. So I was just walking through there and I found some bear tracks. Uh, at first I thought it was a squatch track. Uh, but it turned out when I got close enough to it, I could see that it was a, um, it was a bear track and the back foot on this bear track was probably, you know, eight to nine inches. And the, the front one was probably, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, probably 
six inches. I mean, we're talking about a four or five hundred pound bear. I mean, good sized bear. So, yeah. And uh, of course, coyotes. Coyotes are everywhere. We have we do have a, a occasionally you'll run into a gray wolf. They're not as uh, there's not a not as prevalent as as coyotes, of course, but uh, we do have them down here. Yeah, nothing like um, maybe even a bear would make that kind of noise that you're describing that you would hear over over a motorcycle. Bears tend to be pretty quiet when they move through the woods. I guess as pretty quiet as they can. Exactly. And I don't think a mm-hmm. hog's going to do that either. Did you believe in Bigfoot or know about Bigfoot before any of this stuff happened, Joey? No, actually. Um, <laughs> I mean, I had watched the the Patterson Gimlin film. You know, just uh, from being on the internet looking up things, uh, I came across it a few times and watched it and realized, you know, uh, that looks like a real creature. That that doesn't look like that was, you know. I mean, I I, I know enough about. You know, I mean, I've been in woods all my life, so uh, I know the the enough to be able to look at something and say, hey, that's a costume or that's real, and. Uh, you know, I'm fully convinced that, uh, you know, the Patterson-Gimlin film is real. And uh, I actually had a chance uh, later on. I, I know you all probably familiar with M.K. Davis. Uh, he's from here in Mississippi. He does he does a lot of Bigfoot stuff. A lot of does a lot of video analysis of, of, of Patty on the Patterson-Gimlin film. And he and I actually sat down and went through it almost frame by frame. And uh, mm-hmm. it's real. But th- to answer your question, I, I, I digress. To, but to to answer your question, I did not believe. I thought there was a possibility. Uh, you know, and, and, and kind of in my experience, there's three kind of people when you're talking about, you know, Bigfoot, Sasquatch. People that's never going to believe it if they walked out and he was sitting in the car with them, they're not going to believe in Sasquatch. Okay. Right. And then you've got people who believe there's possibility of something like that existing. But, you know, uh, until Bigfoot gets in the car with them, they're not going to, you know, believe it. And then there's people like me that have had these encounters that have seen these creatures and we know for sure. Uh, and I, and I, and I think those are the three categories that people fall into. Yeah. yeah Did I answer your question? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, we agree with that too. There's there's non-believers, there's believers, and then there's knowers who've right. seen them right. and they know they exist. So, yeah, yeah the Patterson film, uh, they even talked to a lot of the um, Hollywood uh, makeup artists and, and, and creators that, that you know make these monsters and creatures for movies. And they said back then we could not have probably made or had the technology to make something that realistic looking or that seem that that much like like a real real thing um they couldn't they couldn't duplicate right. what back then what they what they have now right you know now they have now, they actually interviewed um and i forget who it was um uh, but the um the guy that did the uh costumes for planet of the apes that you know i believe it came out in 68 69 mm-hmm. they actually showed him the patterson gimlin film and interviewed him and asked him could you have done that and he said, no. He said, that's not a costume. That's got to be a real creature. He said, I didn't even, he said, I, at that point in time, he said, I could not have even created that. Yeah. And th- this guy was a, you know, he, in Hollywood, he was the foremost costume designer that there was. Yeah. And, and he said, he couldn't do it. Yeah. Right. 
you can see muscle mm-hmm. movement and everything on that. I mean, for someone to say that's not real, or that guy that come forward to say that he was the one in the costume, he's so full of shit. So what happened then? What 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 was your next encounter? Or what what happened later in life to you? Then? My uh, my oldest son had uh, his his mother and I were divorced, and 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 he was living with her. Well, he turned eighteen. He wanted to come stay with me for a while. He'd gone out on a date, and he was coming in. He came in. It was about two o'clock in the morning. And he's he's knocking on the door. He had his own little place to stay and there that we had set up for him and he's knocking on the door knocking on the door and I'm like what is this guy want so I get out I thought something wrong so I get up and it's him and he's just pacing in the yard and I said boy what is wrong with you he said daddy uh, he said as I was coming over the hill there above the house he said I thought there was a big old guy standing inside the road and he said I slowed down and he said as I got close he said, Daddy, he said, Bigfoot walked across the road in front of me. I said, boy, what have you been drinking and what have you been smoking? <laughs> he said, nothing, Daddy, I promise you, nothing. So anyway, that kind of sparked my interest. Well, what really got me, what really got me going is um, I started doing a little research and I started going to some of the um, um, some local Bigfoot get-togethers, different people, various people, and uh, kind of got tied in with them. And I, I started doing, uh, a, you know, a little researching with them. And, uh, you know, what solidified my belief is that uh, me and Don McDonald, uh, everybody probably knows him as Don Don off of Killing Bigfoot. Uh, he and I have been friends. Yeah, he and I have been friends for years. So he called me one weekend and he's always, he has always called me Sasquatch. He's never called me by my name. And, uh, he called me so Sasquatch. He said, you, 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 you want to go squatch? And I said, yeah, man, where are we going? He said, let's go up to, uh, Tallahala Wildlife Management Area, which is close to where he grew up. And it's about 10, 11 miles here from my house, probably a little further than that. But anyway, I said, yeah, man. So we went up there and we met. We parked our vehicles and walked back in there. And uh, we're sitting there and I'm, you know, I got, we're, we're just sitting in the road because it's nobody ever hardly goes. It's a wildlife management area, but very few people even hunt up there. It's just, it's just a good, a good nature preserves, good place to go walk if you want to walk or something like that. But anyway, I'm sitting facing one way in my chair and he's sitting facing the other way and he is. And uh, we're just sitting there talking. Uh, we ain't even got a fire built. It's warm. You know, we're just sitting there shooting the breeze. And uh, he said, man, look, he said, uh, I need you to get up back like you're doing something. And when you go to sit back down, turn your chair around. I said, okay. I said, well, I got to take a leak. I'll get up and do that. So I got up, walked off a little ways. I come back. I turn my chair around. And I sat down. And I knew what he was doing. I said, what am I looking at? He said, look at one o'clock. So I look out in the woods at one o'clock and you can see the creatures probably, I don't know, maybe 50, 60 foot back in the wood line, standing behind a tree, sitting there swaying. You know, they, when they, when they stand still, they have to sway because of the way their legs are made. I know you guys are familiar with that, but you know, it's just sitting there just swaying back and forth. 
back and forth. And I told him, I said, well, I said, if that one rushes us, I said, uh, you take care of that one. I said, I'll take care of the one behind us because I guarantee you there's one in front of us. There's one behind us too. They don't generally travel alone, but you know, we sat there and watched it probably for about 30 minutes. And after that, the creature just faded back off into the, just faded on back off into the woods. And, you know, we were pretty excited about that. Oh, yeah. Did you see any details of it? Was it too dark? Did you just see an outline or could you see anything? Too dark. I mean, basically what I could see was, you know, I, I could see the outline of the creature, tell what it was. There was enough light that I could tell what it was. I was scared to turn a, a light on it because I knew if I did, it was going to, it was going to boogie on out of there. It wasn't going to stay around. Uh, mm-hmm. So I just, you know, we watched as best we could. And um, I, I mean, there was no doubt of what it was. Did you feel scared? Were you fearful at all? Only a stupid man is not afraid. You're dealing with a wild animal. You don't know what that animal's going to do. I have a healthy respect for these creatures, uh, you know, and it's tinged with a little bit of fear. Of course it is. Now, I I, I mean, this is my personal thing. Uh, Although I did appear on an episode of Killing Bigfoot, I don't want to kill one of these creatures. I was just going to ask you if you've ever. No, no, I do. I mean, you know, I did. I I was actually on that episode as as a favor to 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 Don. He wanted, you know, they needed somebody to do play a role, so I did. But anyway, uh, I always carry a weapon in Mississippi. If you go into the woods at night, you need to be on, simply for the you know the the. You know, the mountain lions, the bears, the the coyotes, and things of that nature, you don't go into these woods unarmed. Uh, right. not, if, not if you want to come out every time, because you never know what you're going to encounter. But yes, to answer your, your, your question, Todd, yes, I was afraid. But not, not on the level that I was ready to shoot, or not on the level that I was ready to run, because my curiosity was probably... Um, you know, much more a driving force than the fear was. Now, there has been times that I've been scared to death, and I, I can tell you about those later on. But did you notice any smell when when these things were that close to you guys? <clears throat> yes, yes, we could smell it. I think that's first what I think that's what got Don's attention because. Uh, you know, I think he had caught a whiff of something to start with, and he started kind of looking, and I think that's how, you know, it uh, it caught his attention. Uh, you, you mentioned about the swaying, and, and I we've heard about that so much, and I always wondered why they do that. You know, they try to stay hidden behind a tree, but yet they're swaying back and forth. What what what, what are they doing that you I mentioned? If you've, ever watched a, if you've ever watched a gorilla in a zoo, try to stand upright for a long period of time. The way that their their anatomy, their legs and their feet, the way that it's made, it, I think it's very difficult for them to maintain their balance. And I think that swaying, it's kind of like us. You know, if, if, if we stand in one spot for a long time, you know, you, you want to shift your weight. Shift it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that, I think in their case, you know, it's, it's, uh, 
it's aggravated by the fact that their their legs are just not designed, you know, to to you know stand in one spot like a human. You know, the way their foot's designed, their knees or legs. If you look at Patty, when she walked, it was with what I call a broken knee posture. In other words, her knees didn't look like they were locking. You know, right. it was kind of a rolling walk. Mm-hmm. You know, where you watch a human, you know, we plant a foot, we lock our knee, we take a step. We put a plant in our foot, we lock our knee, we take a, you know, we swing the other leg. And I think that they, you know, the way that their anatomy is set up, they can't lock their knees. So that that swaying motion is simply them keeping their balance. I got you. And most people don't know this mm-hmm. or don't think about this. Um, and I didn't for a long time. You know, I don't think proportionally their legs are as long as, as ours are to our body. Their legs are definitely longer than ours and bigger than ours. But proportionally, I think their legs are a little bit shorter on their torso than what you would think they would be. And that's another reason why they kind of keep their knees bent all the time. Uh, yeah, I think you're, they don't ever lock their knees out when they walk. And then, and with that, with that motion and with how they bring their heel up and they, they do that kind of motion, I think that kind of what people describe as that floating walking look right. where their head stays still, doesn't bob up and down like a human's. And right. kind of stays in that plane and they're kind of just kind of gliding, mm-hmm. gliding across stuff. So, Right. Like I said, I've always kind of, out of a rolling walk because it was, you know, their head just stays straight. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, I think it's a, uh, an, an anatomical type thing. Yeah. So what else have you experienced, Joey? Well, the next encounter that I had, uh, was my cousin and I, God rest his soul. Uh, he just passed away, had a massive heart attack at 54 years old. Wow. Yeah, man. He had a uh, 110 acres of, uh, of land. He had cows. And he and I, a lot of times, we would sit out at night, um, shoot coyotes, keep them off his, off his calves and stuff. And one night he called me. It's kind of in the spring of the year. He called me and said, let's, um, he said, do you want to sit out? You know, do a little coyote hunting. I said, yeah, man. I said, I'll be down there in a little while. So I got on my ATV and I went down there. Well, we, it had been raining and it had cleared off. So he said, look, let's just, we'll camp in the, we'll build a fire in the catch pen and, uh, we can set up there. We can see all three, all three of the fields. I said, all right. Well, we, um, we, we were sitting there and, they had had uh, his dad and him and had some l- uh, lumber cut up out of some trees off their land. And they had put the slats off the cutoffs. They had piled them up behind the uh, uh, catch pen, the cow catch pen. So we went back there to get some of those. We were going to break those up and burn them. And he reached down and I reached down about the same time and picked one up. When we did, there was a, there was a howl and a scream like nothing me and him, either one had ever heard. And I mean... Both of us have been woodsmen since we were little bitty kids. And we both looked at each other at the same time and said, what the hell was that? You know, and uh, <clears throat> we got the wood. We walked on back around, broke it up, got us fire going. Well, I told him, I said, man, look, I said, I'm going to walk down the hill through the pasture there. I'm just going to walk down and see if I see anything that made that noise. I said, I don't know what that was. He said, I don't need So I started walking down the hill. and. Uh, all I had, I had a little 
single action 22 magnum pistol that I use for coyote hunting and uh very very accurate little gun and that's all I had with me and I served down this hill and got my flashlight in my hand the moon had come out it was, it was almost uh like daylight out there and I got kind of close to the there's a little creek that runs right there and I, I got down kind of probably 50 yards from the creek and I, I'm looking there's what looks like a tree and I'm thinking to myself, now I just raked hay there last summer. I said, they, 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 they ain't no tree right there. So I eased on down. I had my flashlight in my hand. So I eased on, got a little closer. When I got probably 20 yards away, I turned my light on and I came up with the light pointing that direction. And when I did, this tree moved. It stepped off into the creek. And, um, I got closer, and really the only thing I got saw was the side of his body and one hand. Now, I got big old hands. I'm six foot four. I got I got big old hands. But this this hand would have made my hand look like a, a child's hand laying in mine. Well, at that time, uh, you ain't never seen a white boy move that fast. I went back up the hill. And I told my cousin, I said, let me get your AR. Man, you ain't getting my AR. I said, man, let me borrow the AR. I said, there's something down there, but I'm not, I ain't going to. He said, if you want to go explore, he said, go to your house and get a bigger gun. <laughs> I said, well, I said, okay. So I got back on my ATV. I come up to the house, got a shotgun. I went back down there, and I walked down, and I looked around where he had been standing, but I never, I didn't see any tracks or anything. And, uh, you know, that was that experience. And then on another occasion, he and I were, we had a fire built down at the bottom of one of the, of one of the fields there, kind of in a corner between red woods on two sides of us. And we were looking at the field back, you know, that way. And there's something we'd, we'd heard a couple of screams and then something come through the woods at us, man. It sounded like somebody driving a bulldozer through the woods. And I mean, it came right up to the fence line. And, um, we had one of these game sensors that'll tell you, you know, off the heap signature, how big something is. And we took it and pointed it and it went completely off the scale. But you asked me a while ago, had I ever been scared? Yeah, I was scared. And I'd already gone down on one, one knee. You know, and I'm like, my dad's like, what you going to do? Because he was trying to get his AR out of his ATV. He said, what are you going to do? I said, man, if it crosses this fence, I'm going to shoot it because I don't know what it is. And, uh, but it stopped and we couldn't see it, but it, uh, man, whatever it was, it was huge. It was huge. And that's not, that wasn't his property. So I couldn't go over there and, and, uh, look for tracks or, or anything because, uh, they have that land posted, so I couldn't legally. I couldn't go over there and look, so I didn't. How tall do you think it it was, Joey? When you saw it, you, you said it looked. You thought it was a tree. I would say probably close to eight foot, probably okay. three and a half foot wide at the shoulders. I mean, it was a it was a pretty massive, pretty massive creature. But it moved quickly. It moved quickly. Uh, to be as, to be as large as it was. Then, um, uh, I had an experience at, uh, uh, Chickasway Wildlife Management Area. 
down south of uh, Laurel, Mississippi. My wife and I, I had bought a new rifle. And at that time, uh, I, we had this house, but we had a house in town that we lived in as well at that time before she retired from teaching. And um, so I told her, I said, look, I said, I need to sight this new rifle in. So I called the, uh, the game warden that's over that wildlife management area. I said, hey, man, I said, I need to come out there and sight in a rifle. Where can I go, you know, to do it? And he told me, asked me where I was going, and I told him. And uh, I went back to an area where I had heard some screams and stuff before. And uh, just because I was familiar with the area and I knew where I was going. So got back down in there and parked the car at a turn uh, at a turnaround. And my wife and I walked back down. We walked down in a hollow, and I put, a, I put up a uh, target, got back about 100 yards. Well, I got down in that valley so that the – you know, it was kind of like a berm. The hill behind me made, in front of me made a berm. So the bullets, you know, I don't want you to know about it. Yeah. And uh, so I, I shot probably seven or eight times, you know, sighting the scope in. I got through and I told my wife, I said, come on, let's walk back up. So we walked back up in the car and uh, I laid the gun in the back seat. Well, I had, uh, at that time I had a 38 special police revolver and, uh, um, had it on and uh, that was mainly for snakes and whatnot but anyway we walked around the car and i sat there and uh i told my wife i said is it feel like somebody's watching us she said it kind of does i said yeah i get that feeling too i said hey something something in these woods and so i said you know i thought the rest of get in the car i'm just gonna walk around a little bit so i kind of walked down the road a little bit in front of the car and then i walked back well, Walked around and probably after about 30 minutes, the feelings of being watched. I never smelled anything, which was, was really, really strange uh, in this situation. It could have been the way the wind was blowing. I didn't really pay that much attention to, you know, the wind direction at that time. Uh, I said, well, I, said, I don't feel it anymore. I said, we're going to go. I got in the car. I pulled off and I probably went maybe a hundred yards and off to the left there was um it was kind of it was open with some sparse trees and and i looked to my left and here's here's a sasquatch in broad daylight walking along the tree line i turned to my wife to ask do you she had already seen it she was already all the way up on the dashboard you know with her head looking and uh I looked at her. I said, "Now you, you, you tell me what you saw." I didn't want to influence what she had saw. You see, I tried to stop. When I stopped, I went to back up and try to get a picture. By the time I did that, got my phone up, got ready to take a picture. He turned and went into the woods. Anyway, I asked her, "You know, what did you see?" She said, "I saw a uh, seven to eight foot tall gorilla-like creature, black fur." She said he probably weighed between five, 600 pounds. And she perfectly described a Bigfoot encounter. She did. And I said, and that's exactly what I saw too. And she looked at me. She said, well, she said, you're not crazy after all. She said, they do. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so that was, that was validation for me. She's like, I don't know why you go sit out in the cold weather in the middle of the night. I said, well, now you know. Yeah. 
that was a pretty cool. Um, that was a good one. Yeah, that's amazing. How far away from you do you think this thing was from your car? He was probably standing no more than maybe 30, 40 foot from me. Oh, that's why I just, wow. I mean, that's why I just, there was no smell. And that's, that's, that's really the, that was the strange thing, man. There was no smell. So he may have been further away, you know, he meant, but it's one of those situations where you know somebody's there, you know somebody's watching you. And, and mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it to be a Bigfoot. There was used to be a lot of, uh, transient people that camp down in that in that area and that's kind of i kind of figured oh i got one of these transient folks watching me and mm-hmm. you know we don't come out inside and try to rob me i really don't want to shoot him but uh now it was uh it was a critter what's your wife think about him now does she go out at all or is she too scared does she want to stay in what's her thoughts uh, my wife is, is not gonna go sit out in the middle of the night it's either too cold or too hot. If she goes, she's going to sit in the vehicle. And, uh, you know, and I usually park uh, a ways off and walk in so she doesn't go too much. Now, if I go back down on my, if I go down my cousin's property down there, she'd probably get in the side to side and ride down there with me. She's not going to go on an expedition like I would. Right. Let's talk about the Killing Bigfoot guys again. Do you know anyone else in that group or just, just Don? I mean, I've met, you know, like I said, we, we filmed that episode and that's, that's when I met him. I didn't really know any of them personally except for Don. Uh, and he, like I said, he asked me to, uh, to be in that episode. Uh, uh, I mean, it's a scripted, it's a scripted program, just like finding Bigfoot's a scripted program. You know, I mean, right. people think, that these are not scripted, but they are. And he just asked me, uh, he asked me to be, uh, be in there and I did it. Bunch of really nice guys. I mean, um, you know, and they actually it was the, the producer's idea. It was either the producer's idea or the, uh, the network's idea. They're the ones that wanted to call it killing Bigfoot. They didn't want to call it that. And, uh, I think that's really had a lot to do with why it only lasted one season. I think that put people off. And uh right. but there's a bunch of really good guys. I mean, you know, I, but like I said, I didn't really know anybody personally until just you know, I'd seen a few of them here and there at Bigfoot get togethers, but you know, I'd I'd never really got into their inner circle. Me and uh me and Don, we just grew up in the same neck of the woods and kinda had that, uh, that commonality of being from, you know, I'm from one county and he's from the next county up originally. So we kind of just struck up a friendship and, uh, mm-hmm. but a bunch of good guys, bunch of good guys. Those, those guys are definitely into Bigfoot, obviously, even though the show might be scripted, but do you, are they planning on trying to get one and kill one for proof? Is that, is that their whole goal in reality or? The, the, the premise of the show and, and, and truthfully, it's like we've always said, there's not, nobody, you know, the scientific community as a whole, no matter how many plaster casts you bring back, no matter how many recordings, no matter how much video or whatever you take to the scientific community, until you can provide them with a body, mainstream science is going to say this thing does not exist. Okay. So 
I think that the only way any of those guys would really take a specimen would be if it was being aggressive, if it was killing livestock, threatening people, killing, you know, pets, something like that. And, 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 and it couldn't be run off at that point. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I would probably take a specimen. If it's, uh, if it's becoming a, a true nuisance and a danger to, to humans, at that point, you don't have much choice. You know, it'd be the same thing with a bear. If I had a bear around my house messing with my dogs and different things, I mean, I'd call the game warden and say, hey, you know, y'all need to come catch this bear because if you don't, I'm going to catch him for you. I'd, I'd, I'd just have to take care of it. I think that's the same thing. I, I mean, these these guys didn't have a bloodlust for Bigfoot or anything. I think they, they just like me, if if it was a nuisance, if it was a danger to, to people, they would. But other than that, I mean, no, I mean, I, like I said, you know, me and Don, we we went on several, we've been squatching them a lot together, and he's never, even we've seen one, he's never pulled a weapon and said, I'm going to take this specimen. So, no, I don't think, like I said, you know, uh, Hollywood and, and TV networks, they have their own agenda. Right. Yeah. yeah. We've talked about that many times. Well, people get so worked up about this whole killing one. What it comes down to is that if we want to know these things exist, a body's going to have to be brought in. Just oh, like, yeah. Just like any other animal that we've proven existence of. I mean, I don't know if we, if we when we discovered the mountain gorillas, I don't know that we killed one of them right away, but eventually, they you killed know. killed two of them. Did they? You know, That's so, how they knew they existed. So, so any, any animal out there, a tiger, anything that has the capability of harming a human being, obviously, but if they wanted to prove the existence, they probably took a body. And that's what people don't understand. All these animals that are in zoos, right. I mean, originally, they had to kill one. And, oh, yeah. And to learn yeah. about the animals that are on this earth and to learn about our earth and to have the knowledge that we, we want to have, that sometimes is required. And it's probably going to be required, too, in the Bigfoot world. Unfortunately, some people don't like it, but... That's probably what's going to have to happen. If you go to any museum that has panoramas or whatever of, of creatures, you know, that do exist or didn't exist, some of them are stuffed. You know, they're mounted. Right. Uh, like I said, I don't want – if he leaves me alone and inter interacts peacefully with me, I'll interact peacefully with him. But at the point that he if – I, if I wake up one night and my dog's outside or, or barking, I walk out there and there's a Bigfoot trying to get one. I mean, I may shoot in there the first time. If he don't leave, then we're going to have the proof we need because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave him laying right there. Yeah. You know, uh, and that's, that's not because, like I said, I, I don't even, I hunted a lot in my younger days because if I've, as I've gotten older, I'm 60 now. And as I've gotten older, you know, I've, I have a much more of a deeper reverence for life than I did when I was younger. I just, just to go out in the woods, I, I had a lot rather, I'll be honest with you. I wish someone asked me, what would you love to happen with your encounters with Bigfoot? I said, I'd love to befriend one. I would love to be able to be comfortable enough. Um, who was the lady that, uh, got in? Jane, with Jane Goodall. Jane, oh yeah. Jane Goodall. She was able to gain their trust and, and actually be kind of accepted as part of their truth. And I, I, you know, that's what I would love to do with Bigfoot. I would love for, to be able to get to the point where they trusted me enough to let me interact with them, film them, take some pictures. Yeah. Any serious Bigfoot researcher is, is probably thinking the same way. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, the general public, uh, you know, you don't know how much, 
<laughs> harassing I get at work about being about being a, a big we do. Yeah, we do. We do realize <laughs> we get it too. Yeah, yeah we get it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, they say, you know, how long you been a, a Bigfoot researcher? I said, I'm not a Bigfoot researcher. They said, what are you? I said, I'm a squawkologist. <laughs> I like that. Nice. I like that one. Squatchologist. <laughs> you know, they pick at me, but then again, I never will forget. I, I was in law enforcement for a long time and I worked in the prison system and, uh, I had a, I had a, my sergeant. He was a, Big old black guy. I mean, man, this dude, everybody in the prison feared him. You know, the inmates feared him. And, uh, he kind of, when I started, got into it, he took me under his wing. He loved, he, he found out that I did Bigfoot research. Man, we'd sit up there, we worked night shift and sometimes three or four hours, I'd sit there and he'd talk to me where he'd ask me questions and I'd tell him, you know, about my encounters and other people's encounters. And I said, sorry. I said, uh, you need to go with me one night. I said, we'll go down. I know some spots where we probably, if nothing else, will at least hear a scream or some tree knocks or something. And he looked at me. He said, this is after we'd worked together for a while. And uh, he looked at me. He called me Hawk because my last name was Hawkins. He said, Hawk, he said, man, I love you like a brother. He said, we have fought together. We've been through a lot of stuff in this prison together. I said, yes, sir, as we have. He said, I've always had your back and you've always had mine. I said, yes. But he said, have you ever watched a scary show? I said, watched a lot of them, sir. He said, was there a brother in there? I said, yeah. He said, who was the first person that got killed in that scary show? I said, well, come think of it. It's usually, usually the black guy. He said, that's why I'm not going in the woods with you. He said, we got down in there one of the things. He said, I can't run. He said, kind of heavy set. He said, I can't run like I could when I played football. He said, I'd be the first one it got. I said, Sergeant, I ain't going to let nothing happen to you. He said, he said, Hawk, he said, man, I love you, but I ain't going. <laughs> <laughs> He's not taking your word for it, huh? <laughs> yeah, he would not take my word for it. Yeah. Obviously, you want to see one again. You're still going oh, out yeah. looking for these things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've had kind of a weird winter here in Mississippi. Uh, I, most of the time, I do most of my research uh, – from about the end of March on into to July. Um, I do go out some in the wintertime, but as I've gotten older, I can't take that cold like I used to. You know, yeah. There's a lot of difference between 45 and, and 60. In my 40s, I'd go out there and stay all night, 20-degree weather, sit oh, in a yeah. chair, be quiet, just listen. Put the cameras up, turn the voice recorder on, and just sit there. Been down in the swamp by myself. Doing what I do, but as I've gotten older, man, I just, I can't take that cold like I want. So I, I've, I've started, um, I usually do it in the springtime, probably down here. Usually it'll start to warm, you know, I mean, it's already starting to warm up, but by the first of April, it, we still have cool nights, but not cold nights. And then mm-hmm. the days at 75, 80 degrees. And I have a theory that in the wintertime, if I was a critter that lived outside like that, in the wintertime, I would forage at night while it's cold, and I would sleep during the day when it was warm. And I think that's what these creatures do. And then in the as it begins to warm up, I think they they sleep at night, and then they forage in the daytime. Because if you've ever noticed, most of your the the video that is you know that has has been recorded various things. 
it's in the spring of the year when they see these daylight sightings and they get this video. Yeah, they, they don't ever get it in the dead of winter. Sometimes, but not very often. And I, I think these are very intelligent animals. You know, I think they are, they have a relatively high mental capacity. You get in with these people that, and, and I don't mean to talk bad about these people, but I'm sorry. Bigfoot does not ride on a UFO. Okay. <laughs> he does not walk through portals. He, this is a creature. You know, that I truly believe is, is a creature that, that has adapted to live in, in this terrain. And I think probably it is a descendant of Giganthopithecus. Well, that's a mouthful. It, yeah, it is. It's <laughs> a real comfortable like me. Uh, it's an animal. It's a highly intelligent animal, but it's an animal. And sometimes, sometimes people just, uh, they go off on tangents and, you know, oh man, I saw. I saw Bigfoot, the UFO. He was in there with Elvis. You know, I mean, it, it, you, know, I, you know, I mean, come on, people. Right. But most of your people that believe that have not spent a lot of time out in the wilderness. They they weren't raised in the woods and, and you know, didn't roam before. Guys, look, when I was 10 years old, I had a twenty two rifle and a bowie knife, and I'd, I'd leave on a Saturday morning at 8, 9 o'clock. Mom and Daddy wouldn't see me like, you know, the lick got dark. I mean, I stayed in the woods. I knew these woods around here where I live. I, I, I knew them off the back of my hand by the time I was 12 years old. And uh, there's not many creatures that I can't tell you what what sound it is that they make or if it makes a sound, identify it. But I'll tell you, when you hear a squash scream, it is like nothing else you've ever heard. And I've heard screams, howls, whoops. And tree knobs. And I've had them answer me with tree knobs, man. I get me an old hickory stick, find me a good oak tree in the, in the woods and give it three good whacks and sit there and you, way off in the distance, you'll hear them answer back. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get the whole thing with people going out at nighttime all the time. I know they think these things are nocturnal or can be, but if I'm going to go looking for one, I want to be able to see it and I want to see it in daylight. Yeah. And I don't want to be out in the dark because that just makes it three times more scary. Uh, and you just don't know how close you're going to get to one if you do see one. So, yeah. Okay. I've got night vision. Uh, I hadn't got infrared yet because my wife won't let me spend the money. But uh, <laughs> no, it's just I, I, infrared to me. Flare is, is something I'd love to have. But the one that I want is about five grand. And I'm just, you know, I mean, I, I'm out yeah. You know, I'm a poor man. I'm not going to go borrow $5,000 just to buy something. I'm not, you know, I mean, I've got night vision. And and like I said, I, th- I think that they're both nocturnal and diurnal. I think that it depends upon the temperature. Uh, I, I truthfully do. For all we know, some of them might be nocturnal and some of them aren't. Some of them might like to sleep all day and some might not. Some might get up early, you know. You, you just don't know. That. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's it. I mean, when you start trying to put something in a box and say this is a behavior and this is not a behavior, I don't even think that, uh, you know, I don't even think a, a biologist would do that. I think they would say, you know, hey, you know, this thing could, could be, you know, I mean, they're like humans. You know, I've worked in law enforcement. I worked at night for so long, for a long time. I sleep all day. I'm on a day off. So I sleep all day, stay up all night. You know, it was just the way my internal clock had gotten set to. And I couldn't, 
you know, I'd wake up about five o'clock in the afternoon, stay up all night long. Come daylight, I'd go to bed. Yeah. You know? right. yeah. Well, that's that's but, something I notice about even myself or, or humans in general. Sometimes, if people are off work or on vacation, they tend to stay up later, sleep in a little bit longer than normal. Uh, although, you know, Brian, I know you wake up early. I wake up early just because of our work every day, but, but still you'll get into that pattern if you, you know, don't hold a job or something that you don't do religiously every right. day. Um, just kind of human nature to stay up later, stay up through the night a little bit and, and get up later. Right. You think you'd follow well, like, the sun, but you, know, you don't. Uh, well, I mean, that's why now I, I run the residential division of the roofing company. So. You know, I have to hold a safety meeting every morning with, with the crews before they go out. So, you know, I'm usually up about 5, 5.30 every morning. Mm-hmm. I get between 6.30, quarter to 7, something like that, and have a safety meeting, get everybody lined out. I go to bed early now. <laughs> Most of my day is just, you know, on the phone and on the computer and out in the field checking on things. Uh, so when I get home, I go to bed pretty relatively early. But when I was in law enforcement, like I said, man, I work nights most of the time. Uh, you work in a prison, you'd rather be there when everybody's asleep than when they're up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It it's just a lot easier. A lot easier. Uh, there, there, man, there's a lot of radical theories out there about these creatures. There uh, really are. We've heard a lot of them. I'm sure you have. I, I had a guy tell me one time Bigfoot was created by aliens to mine gold. To mine gold because they need gold to power their spaceships or starships or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. And when they, when they had, you know, accumulated enough to do them, they just left Bigfoot here and they went back to wherever they came from. And I'm like, dude, that's some good stuff. You smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Heard so much. And you, you kind of wonder when people say they saw lights or something like that, what the hell it is. I don't know if it's just their mind just kind of trying to reset, you know. Itself, and that's why they're kind of blanking out or whatever. Who who knows? But yeah, I tend to believe they're probably more of a natural flesh and blood creature. They are. Um, I mean, to me, I mean, that's my opinion. You know, and, and you know, uh, opinions are like buttholes. Everybody's got one. They all stink. But that's <laughs> that's my opinion. <laughs> you know, right. and I I don't I don't see anything. Uh, uh, pretty natural or supernatural about these creatures. They, they are, you know, a flesh and blood creature that, like I say, I think it's that adapted to live. That's just like here in the South. If you go out West, if you, if you go out where the Patterson Gimlin film was, uh, you know, filmed in Northern California and you, you know, you get up into, um, Northwest territory of Canada and back up in that area, you know, most of the ones that are seen, they're nine, 10 foot tall, weigh eight, 900 pounds. They're huge. Mm-hmm. Down here, the ones that we have are more akin to the swamp apes. They are, you know, they're usually between six and, and seven and a half foot and they're not nearly as big. They're three, 400, maybe 500 pounds. I think it has to do, if you, if you live in an area where there's 2,000 pound grizzly bears, and the terrain is very tough, you're going to get bigger. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that's why they are of such a tremendous size out there. To get back down here, and, you, and your biggest bear is probably 500 pounds. Uh, if a gorilla has the strength of 10 men, and, and they're, you know, and they are a, an offshoot of gorillas, 
then you can handle a 500 pound bear with your bare hands. You ain't got no problems. And it's relatively yeah. flat terrain down there too. And it's flat terrain. You know, we got some hollows, but you know, it's not, not like it is out west. Even the mountains, if you go up into Arkansas to the mountains up there, or even into North Georgia and Tennessee, into the into the Appalachians or the Great Smoky Mountain, it's still not the same type of terrain as it is in the mountainous regions of Northern California and Oregon and right. Colorado and you know the Northwest Territory of, of Canada. Man, that's those are extreme conditions. Uh, yeah, I've always so. said that environment has a lot to do with the evolution of, of species. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Joey, we thank you for coming on and. Speaking yeah. with us today, man. It was it was a lot of fun, and we appreciate it a lot. Yeah, that's very no cool. Problem. No problem, uh, guys. If you you know if you want some stories or anything, just let me know. You got me email address. Yeah, we'll, me we'll get back in touch with you for sure. And if you're out there and you uh, happen to come across anything else, you got to get a hold of us and let us know what's going on down there. I will. If I get some video, you, you'll be the first ones uh, I contact. We'll get it awesome. on the show. That'd be Look awesome. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Well, you take care. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good day, man. We'll talk to you later. He's definitely had a lot of uh, experiences. Yeah, some really cool ones, too. Uh, I forgot to ask him about the detail of the last one's face, if he got a chance to look at that. Uh, uh, Pretty close. I'm sure he probably did, unless it was broadside. I just... It was cool when he talked about his wife seeing it. You know, um, I always... I always say that uh, I want my wife to see one probably more than than I want to see one, <laughs> so she'll yeah, same here. believe yeah. you know. Um, and and talking about the proof of all Bigfoot and you know bringing a body forward existence, I don't need that either. I just want to mm-hmm. see one, right? So I can say yep. that last one percent, that ninety nine point nine that I do have, that one that point one percent that because I haven't seen one, that little bit of shadow of a doubt, uh, I can just put that aside. Can be gone, yeah. and that will be one hundred percent. We, we, I want to be a knower, not a believer. Right? That's right. Yep. That's right. 100%. <laughs> so, yeah, um, man, we're getting more listens every week. Uh, we appreciate it. I know. It's everybody. awesome. Yes. You guys are you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Yep. Yep. We, we really appreciate it. Um, I like to keep putting out as good a content as we can for you and uh, looking for a good encounters. So if you know anybody who's had an encounter or if you've had an encounter, uh, come talk to us. Be on our show. Get a hold of us. Info at cryptidcreatures.co. We are on Twitter. Yep. Also, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. They can call us now, right, Brian? Yeah. 8775-DOGMAN. Right on. Sounds good. I appreciate you hanging out with me again, sir. Yeah, man, always fun. Good time. Love, love listening to these guys' encounters and hearing about these right things. On. Yep. All right. I will talk to you next time. Until then, you take care. Yep. See ya.